rapid. First service is our prophecy update, uh, where we look at current events and what's happening in the world. And of course, there's not really much to talk about with nothing going on in the world. So, so we do these weekly prophecy updates. But second service is actually the sermon, and we're in the book of James in a verse-by-verse -verse study. And today we're going to look at some of the reasons as to why it is that we as Christians argue and fight with each other. I know you don't do that, but we're just going to talk about other Christians that do that. Uh, but more importantly, we're going to also look at what it is that we can do about it, and how it is that we can stop doing that. So that'll be at 11.15 live stream for those of you online. Also, for those of you watching by way of YouTube or Facebook, we encourage you to go directly to the website, jdfrog.org, for the uncensored and uninterrupted entirety of today's update. Okay, so today <laughs> I want to talk with you about that saying. I'm sure you've heard it. It's always darkest before the dawn. And I want to talk about this as it relates to Bible prophecy. I think you would agree that the world today is becoming increasingly evil with each passing day, and is seemingly getting darker by the day. Yay. <laughs> How's that for an introduction? But God, <laughs> like with the darkest period of the night being right before the sun rises, so too is the darkest period of human history right before the sun returns. Sun, capital S-O-N. Right before Jesus returns in the rapture of the church, it will be the darkest period in the night in terms of human history. However, this evil and evil like this will continue to get worse, and the world will continue to get darker as the day fast approaches. And here's why. Bible prophecy tells us, warns us, about how bad it will be right before the rapture of the church. And it's getting bad. I mean, let's just be honest with ourselves. We cannot package this any other way than the reality of what's happening. It's getting very dark, and the world is becoming very evil. But that's a good thing, because as the world is becoming increasingly perilous and evil, we can know that the rapture of the church is at the door. Because again, the Bible tells us what the world is going to look like at the time of the end. I want to start with 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, a very familiar passage. The Apostle Paul writing to Timothy by the Spirit says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, 
And he's going to go on now to list 19 characteristics, 19 markers of what those perilous times in the last days that are coming are going to look like. Listen to this list. And as I read it, view it, <laughs> because it reads like your news feeds. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people turn away. By the way, this was written to the church. Timothy, a pastor of this church, this letter is written to him and read to the church, not the world. This list, I'm not going to read it again, so <laughs> no worry. I should, I won't. But this was a description of what would happen within the church in the last days, when the perilous times come. When the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 15, he says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And here's why. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. This is no time to play around. This world that we're living in today is not a playground. It is a battleground. And sadly, many a Christian today is playing church. I'll take it a step further, dare I say, sadly. I say this with a, a broken heart, not a condemning or pointing finger. But many a pastor today is playing church too, sad to say. Ephesians chapter 6, this is a very, again, familiar passage, speaking of the armor of God. I want to draw your attention to the first part of verse 13, where Paul says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. And again, here's why, the why behind the what, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. That's why. And then Jesus in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24, verse 37, He says, For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. Do you want to know what the days of Noah were like? Well, you know what they were like. We're told what they were like in Genesis chapter 6. I want to read verse 5. Then the Lord saw 
that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And listen to this, that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Wow. <laughs> Let that sink in. In other words, continually, all the time, only evil, evil only, continually. And every intention, every intent, every thought of the heart was only evil continually. I have this picture in my mind's eye that it was so bad they would wake up in the morning and think about new evil to invent. That's how wicked man had become. And Jesus says that when He returns it will be like it was in the days of Noah. I would argue that we're living in a day that would certainly rival what it was like in the days of Noah the increasing of wickedness and darkness. If you'll kindly allow me to, I want to take the remainder of our time together today to expound on this. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, I'm actually hoping that this will be an encouragement to you. I just want to share with you what the Lord has encouraged me with over this last week. And I hope it will be an encouragement to you as well. But to do that, we're going to go ahead at this time and end the live stream on YouTube and Facebook and redirect you to jdfarag.org. So this last week I had a number of people apprise me of yet another recent pandemic exercise reminiscent of event 201 in 2019. We've covered event 201 in depth in prior updates, but I'll just briefly explain what it is or was. It was held in New York City on October 18, 2019. Get your bearings straight on the timeline here. October 2019. And this was, by the way, you can still go online and watch the videos of this exercise, this simulation. It was a high level pandemic exercise simulating a global outbreak, modeling what they called a, quote, fictional coronavirus. Hmm. October 2019. How did they know? It was hosted by the World Economic Forum, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and Johns Hopkins University. Fast forward to March of 2021, when the NTI Nuclear Threat Initiative, who it should be noted receives funding from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, which is the same foundation that funds the World Health Organization. Well, the NTI partnered with the Munich Security Conference uh, 
to conduct a tabletop exercise on reducing high consequence biological threats. The exercise examined gaps in national and international biosecurity and pandemic preparedness architectures, exploring opportunities to improve prevention and response capabilities for high consequence biological events. What, pray tell, biological events are they talking about? Oh, when you get to page 8 on this downloadable 36-page PDF file, which we provided a link to, you read the following, and I quote, developed in consultation with technical and policy experts, the exercise scenario portrayed a deadly global pandemic involving an unusual strain of monkeypox virus that emerges and eventually spreads globally. Later in the exercise, the scenario reveals that the initial outbreak was caused by a terrorist attack using a pathogen engineered in a laboratory with inadequate biosafety and biosecurity provisions and weak oversight. The exercise, listen, the exercise scenario concludes with more than 3 billion with the B cases and 270 million fatalities globally. As part of the scenario development process, NTI conducted a virtual consultation with experts in December 2020. Forgive me for chuckling, but I heard this last week. I don't know who said it, but it kind of paints the picture, I think. The fireman is the arsonist. Let me try that again, say the same thing in a different way. The uh, arsonists set the fire, and then they show up on the scene as the firemen to put out the fire. You get the picture? Hmm. Well, as you might imagine, this caught the attention of many people, and rightfully so, so much so, that Tuesday of last week on May 24th, NTI had to publish an official statement and FAQ regarding this tabletop exercise. People started asking questions. Wait a minute, you did this exercise on a monkeypox virus breaking out, emerging and spreading globally? In it, they desperately make several failed attempts to dismiss this as mere coincidence, especially given that the aforementioned PDF file has a scenario on page 10 in which a monkeypox outbreak occurs on May 15th of 2022. 
Today's day is the 29th, right? So wait, let me, let me see if I got this straight. So they do this simulation of an outbreak of the monkeypox virus. And in this simulation, this tabletop exercise, they present the scenario where the outbreak occurs May 15th of 2022. I may be wrong, but I think that might be the exact day that we saw on our television screens that all of a sudden now, oh, it's just right on schedule. How did they know? Hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. Here's another one for you. I forget who said it, but it goes something like this. The best way to control the opposition is to lead it. Now, if this weren't bad enough, the scenario goes on to say that the monkeypox was engineered, listen very carefully to this, to be vaccine resistant here we go again. And that there would be international supply chain challenges. Well, it's actually possibly even more evil and dark than we might think. Please hear me out. There are many who believe that said monkeypox is actually very similar to shingles, which is a known adverse event due to the COVID injection. And if this is true, then it should come as no surprise that this is yet another deception in lying about and covering up the evil agenda of a global genocide, which the book of Revelation describes in prophetic and graphic detail. I don't want you to be shocked by this, but I'm actually going to bring it to an end. I'm okay. Are you okay? I'm going to bring it to an end the way we began. And I'm going to simply say that, yes, it is getting very evil and very dark, but that means Jesus is coming. Because again, yeah, praise the Lord. I'm actually going somewhere with this, and I wanted to have the time so I'm not rushed at the end to just share with you from my heart to yours. There are so many people that are really struggling, and it's just getting so dark, and it's getting so hard, and the days are getting so evil. And many are losing heart. And for some, the Lord cannot come 
soon enough, because many are just hanging on by a thread. And then to know that it's potentially going to get even worse, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to make it. Lord, please, if you don't rapture us out of here like now, <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Well, I want to encourage you again with something the Lord ministered to me this last week. We as believers in and followers of Jesus Christ have the assurance, assurance of God's unbreakable promises. Replete throughout Scripture, we are promised, and God cannot break a promise. God has given us His Word. God will keep His Word, and God will keep you. He will never abandon you. He can't. He will always deliver you from all of your fears. How? Don't know. Don't know how, don't know the way, don't know when. That's the biggie, isn't it? Because the when, I want the when to be now. But the Lord's timing is always perfect. And the struggle is this, because as we see the world getting more and more evil and darker by the day, and we, we know the promises of God, but it's getting from the darkness of the evil of the days in which we live to when that trumpet sounds. And I want to ask you a question. Do you actually believe that God will abandon you or forsake you now? Do you, you know that God will see you through no matter how bad it is? No matter how bad it gets, it cannot change how good God is. Yeah, but pastor, I, you, 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 with all due respect, <laughs> I always like that intro. With all due respect, you have no idea what I'm going through. Well, I don't, but God does. Yeah, but it's really getting hard. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I mean, it's not just one day at a time. It's just like one moment at a time. Well, the Lord is there, and the Lord will see you through. Can I say it like this? He has way too much invested in you. You realize that, right? You know the parable of the pearl of great price, where the guy goes and, and sells everything in order to purchase that property, in order to get that, that pearl? We're the pearl. And he purchased us. And it cost Him everything. And He loves us so much, and He has so much invested in us. He, he will never abandon us. He knows exactly 
what it is that you need, even before you need it, even before you pray it. By the way, we're going to be talking about that in James. He knows exactly what you need, and He will always provide everything you need at the time you need it. We want Him to do that before though, so that we know it's there. We're just like the Israelites, right? We want tomorrow's manna today, just so I can sleep better tonight, knowing that it's there. No, you just have to trust me. It'll be there. Wait, so uh, how do I know? Oh, it, it'll be there. I, I'm pretty sure if you go back into the account in Scripture, you will not find one time where the Israelites woke up and the manna wasn't there, or it was late. Uh, supply chain issues. <laughs> well, it was always there. What was the whole point of the manna thing? <laughs> By the way, the manna is a type of Christ, you know. And the whole point of it was, I want you to trust me. Because everything in us chafes at walking by faith and trusting in Him. We want to see it. We want to walk by sight. Because after all, seeing is believing. I want to see the manna. Okay, it's there. All right, I can, I can go to bed now and sleep well, knowing it's there when I wake up. And you know what happened, right, when the Israelites, and don't be too hard on them, because if we're honest with ourselves, we would have done the same exact thing. You know, just in case, for whatever reason, there's no more tomorrow, I'm going to take a little bit extra. Okay, go ahead. You know what happened to it, right? Turned into maggots. So, so what does the Lord want us to learn from this Old Testament pattern, as we're told in the New Testament? Because those are given to us and for us as examples, right? So what are we supposed to learn from that? We're supposed to learn that no matter what, God will always provide. His timing is always perfect. He's never late. He's never early either. And truth be made, no, we don't want Him to be early. He will always provide. And by the way, what about your faith? As we just got done learning in our study, verse by verse through Hebrews, that without faith it is impossible to please God. That means that when we have faith, we're very pleasing to God. God is very pleased by our faith. I'm sort of stunned by the account in the Gospels where Jesus will like stop everything and point out when somebody has faith. And He'll, he'll just stop everything. I've never seen faith like this in all of Israel. Somebody comes to Jesus and and believes by faith for a healing, and Jesus is like, it's done. According to your faith, let it be done unto you. Now if that's how it works, and it is, then wouldn't it stand to reason that God wants us to have that faith? How am I going to get me some of that faith? I'm just sharing from my heart. Please just hear me out, okay? 
How am I going to get that faith? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Now, when I get into the Word, and the Word gets into me, I will not be afraid. I will have no fear. But see, the enemy's right there, wanting to give us that spirit of fear. And fear really to me is the antithesis of faith. You cannot have fear and faith at the same time. It's either one or the other. So if I have faith, well, yeah, but I don't see it. No, it's not seeing is believing. Believing is seeing. Believe and you will see. So I'm looking at this thing going, Lord, I get up there every week, as is my privilege to, and I talk about how, how evil it is. And, and by the way, this is just what we know. Well, even the Apostle Paul said it. It, it would be criminal, unspeakable to speak of the evil that is committed in secret. This is just what we know is happening. Can you imagine what's happening behind the scenes? I don't even want to go there. <laughs> but that's what produces fear, because if faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, then wouldn't it make sense then that fear would come by hearing? but not hearing the Word of God. So whatever I'm hearing, that's what is going to fuel the tank, whether it's fear or faith. What's the answer? The answer is the Word of God, the Word of God in prayer. It's that, actually that simple, the Word of God in prayer. Prayer is me talking to God, and the Word is God talking to me. That's how simple it is. And the enemy knows it, by the way. And that's why he'll try to keep you out of the Word and out of prayer, because he knows that that is the deciding factor. So I'm hearing about all of these things, and of course fear is right there knocking on the door. Hello? No need to fear. Fear is here. <laughs> and I go right to the Word, and oh yeah, He will deliver me from all of my fears. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Be of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Let not your heart be troubled. I mean, it's just, the list is seemingly endless. And I need to hear it, because that's how faith comes. So I get discouraged. You get discouraged, right? You see what's happening in the world, and how difficult it is, and the darkness, and the evil. And you want the Lord to come and you don't know how you're going to make it, you're going to make it. 
yeah, but I don't know how I'm going to get through this one. No, God's, God's going to see you through. He may not take you out of it, but He has promised to see you through it. And by the way, on the tail end of it, you'll look back on it, and you'll thank God for it. Oh, you don't want to have to go through it again, right? But you would never trade what God did during that time for anything. Wow, Lord. You know how we say, man, I don't know how the non-Christian does it. Right? They don't. You know what they do? They turn to a bottle, whether it's a pill bottle or an alcohol bottle, just to numb the pain. We have the Word of God and the God of the Word, and God has given us His Word. Yeah, but Lord, it's getting very dark. I know. I mean, it's, it's so dark, and it's getting darker. I know. You know what that means, don't you? I mean, by the way, literally, I probably should have mentioned this at the beginning. Um, it is true that the darkest period of the night is right before the sun comes up. You knew that, right? Please tell me you knew that. Okay, good. Because I completely botched the introduction to today's Prophecy Update, if you didn't. But literally, it is the darkest period of the night, right before the sun comes up. Are you connecting those dots? Is it too much to say, okay, then let's get this darkness on show on the road? Because if, if it's darkest right before Jesus comes, Bring on, is that bad? Bring on the darkness? Because I want Jesus to come. And by the way, could it be, it is, that the very darkness in the world today is the very thing that we need in order to want to get out of this world? Think about it. If the world weren't this way, hey, no hurry, no worry. It's all good. But when things get hard, and come on, let's be honest, you know how it is, right? When adversity strikes, oh Lord, come quickly. During times of prosperity, oh Lord, Praise, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Not so urgent, is it? You see, you see what I'm trying to say here? Don't you think God knows that? You know, I, we, we talked about this last week. I, yeah, it's hard. And they're really struggling, and they're really hurting, and the world is very dark, and the world is very evil. Maybe they want to go home now. Maybe the, the thing, or whatever it or they were, that they were holding on to so tightly, they're, they're not holding on tightly anymore. 
they've let go of it. I'm convinced in my own life that the trials, the pain, the sufferings, the hardship, the persecution. Oh, by the way, those who want to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And here we are at the end, I mean the very end. And yes, there is the propensity for this to get even worse and even darker and even more evil with each passing day, but God. It just means one thing, Jesus is coming. And I want to say, lastly, for anyone that is really battle-weary, if I can say it like that, you be encouraged. You be encouraged. The Lord knows what you're going through. The Lord knows how painful it is and how hard it is, how terrifying it is. But He'll see you through. He'll get you through it. I don't know how He's going to do it, but He does. I don't know the way He's going to do it, but His ways are not our ways. Imagine that. Could you imagine if our ways were His ways and our thoughts were? Can you imagine if, if the way we think was how God thinks? That would be horrifying. <laughs> His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. They're infinitely higher. Who knows the mind of the Lord? His ways are unknowable. And, and may I suggest that God may choose to use a way that you could have never possibly in your wildest imaginations ever even thought of, let alone asked. Because He can. God may do and is doing something that you can't even, I love, I think it's, ah, I forget the name of the prophet. He says, even if I tried to tell you, you wouldn't believe it. <laughs> okay, try me. No, I, because you wouldn't believe it if I tried to tell you what I'm going to do. And then God does it. And then isn't it true that when God does it, we're, we're like, oh, I can't believe He did that. It's like we don't even believe it when He does it. And we see it. You just, can't you see it right in front of you? I can't believe it. Really? Maybe I just need to speak for myself. Maybe you're more spiritual than I am, but God does a miracle. And then after God does the miracle, we're still in doubt. Did He really just, yeah, He did. Wow, God, that, that's amazing. I know. I'm God. Yeah, but God, that was impossible. I know I'm the God of the impossible. Is there anything too hard for me? Maybe God has allowed it to become so complicated, so confusing, so difficult, so all of the above, just so He could do it the way He wants to do it. And then when, not if He does it, because He will, when He does it, man, you're like, God, thank you, God. Thank you, God. You be encouraged. Just wait. You'll see.
That's Psalm 27, 13 and 14, summed up very briefly. Just wait, you'll see. David loses, almost tosses in the towel. I would have lost heart had it not been for my confidence in the Lord that I would still see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then he talks to himself. I know they have clinical terms for this. He has a good talk to himself. Sit down, boy. We need to talk. You wait. You be of good courage. You'll see the goodness of the Lord. Just wait. You'll see what God's going to do. Be encouraged. Now everything I just said up to this point is for the believer. Doesn't apply to those who do not know the Lord or have never put their trust in the Lord to be saved. And that's how I want to bring it to a close. I don't know how else to say it except today is the day and the urgency is now. One of the greatest, and I'll even say most successful lies of the enemy, as one so eloquently described it, is not there's no heaven or there's no hell, but there's no hurry. That is the most successful lie from the father of lies. No hurry. No urgency. Well, there is urgency. And today is the day, because we are at the end. And the trumpet is about to sound. And the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And we who are alive and remain are going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. What I just said to you out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17, about the rapture is more real. And I know I say this often now, hope you don't tire me saying it, it is more real than the comfortable chairs you're sitting on right now. It will happen. And I am convinced with all of my heart, I truly believe this with all of my heart, that it's sooner than any of us could possibly imagine. It could happen at any time. The rapture of the church is imminent. And by the way, and maybe this is the Holy Spirit, and this is why, again, I wanted to make sure I didn't run out of time and rush through this. But please, I, I'm, I'm pleading with you. There are many, and they seem to be increasing, who are coming out and just, I mean, very viciously attacking the sound doctrine of the pre-tribulation rapture. And I just want to plead with you to, how do I say this, just look at the fruit of that. Look at the fruit of that. The attack on that sound doctrine of the pre-tribulation rapture, that in and of itself should tell you something, shouldn't it? 
please don't be deceived. <laughs> the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ has to happen before the seven-year tribulation. And it's going to happen. And I believe it's going to happen very soon. And that's why there's urgency. Today is the day. Now this is a twofold encouragement. Because for the believer it's like, hang on, not much longer. That's what Jesus had John write to the church in Philadelphia. Just, just hold on. <laughs> I, I know you have little strength. I know you're battle weary. I know you're, for the local, bus up. <laughs> Sorry. But because you have kept my word and not denied my name, I'm going to keep you from the hour of tribulation that is coming upon the whole world. That's the seven-year tribulation. And the promise is, I'm going to keep you from that. You will not go through that. Just hold on a little while longer. How much longer? Not much. I don't know how much longer I can hold on. I'm holding on by my fingernails. I know, not much longer. I'll keep you. I'll hold you. I'll carry you. I'll sustain you. I'll provide for you. But just hold on, because I'm coming. That's the encouragement for the believer. For those who are not believers, I mean, the encouragement for you today is, you can make that decision today. And you're late to the party, welcome, but that's okay. Jesus taught a parable about it, where He hires these laborers in the morning, and they agree to the pay. And then throughout the day He needs more, and He hires more, and then He hires more towards the end of the day. There's like an hour left, pays them the same amount. Well, apparently the guys in the morning caught wind of this. They're like, how much you get paid? Oh, I'm getting paid this. Well, that's, that's not fair. You barely got in by the hair of your chinny chin chin. <laughs> the whole point of the parable is people in the 11th hour that come to Christ, they're still saved. And this is another issue too. I'm, I'm sorry, you'll forgive me. But this whole thing about the partial rapture, where only those who are on fire for the Lord, walking close to the Lord, only they go up in the rapture. Wait, what? <laughs> that, that, sounds, that sounds like works to me. That means, that means that I've got to do something and earn the right to be taken up in the rapture. The partial, I mean, it's like the enemy is so cunning. I mean, partial rapture? Yeah, you're still saved, but you know, nah, 
Now you're not going up. You're saved, but you're just, only the people who are really close to the Lord. Well, that means that it's predicated upon my works then. I like to tell people, you know, you're going to go up in the rapture. If you're saved, if you're born again of the Spirit of God, you're going up in the pre-tribulation rapture, whether you like it or not. I'll see you on the way up. There won't be much time, because it'll be very fast, but we'll have all of eternity. I'm, I'm kidding. I still wonder, though, if I'm going to get to say, I told you so, but probably not. My point is this. Jesus is coming. The rapture of the church is imminent. It could happen today. Boy, would that be joke. <laughs> like right now, just. <sighs> and if you're saved, you're going to be taken out of this evil and dark world before all hell literally breaks loose. And that's the good news of salvation, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That Jesus came and He died for you, and He paid in full for you, for all of your sins, and He purchased with His blood. He purchased you, that pearl of great price. He went to His death in your stead. And that's the good news, the gospel, that Jesus died, He was buried, He rose again on the third day, and He's coming back again one day. That's, that's the good news. The word gospel means good news. Your debt has been paid. You're free to go. And whom the Son is set free is free indeed. So we've been doing these ABCs of salvation for a number of years now. And I want to caution again against making this into a formula, because it's not really a formula. It's more like a template. It's just kind of a simple explanation of salvation. Please don't make it something you have to do, a prayer you have to pray, or you have to come forward and kneel at the altar and be really, 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 really sorry for your sins. Have to be five reallys. Four reallys, you're not saved yet. You have to have five reallys in there. I'm sorry I'm being silly, but you get the point, right? It really starts with the A, which is this acknowledging, this admitting that I'm a sinner. <laughs> Because unless and until I acknowledge that I'm a sinner, I'm not interested in the Savior. Why would I be? Romans 3.10 says, there is no one righteous, not even one. Romans 3.23 says, the reason <laughs> that none are righteous is because all have sinned. Make sense? And fall short of the glory of God, miss the mark, which is what sin means. It's an archery term. You missed the bullseye. We've all missed the bullseye of God's perfect standard of righteousness. And Romans 6.23, I like Romans 6.23, because it kind of packages the bad news first with the good news. The bad news is, is that we've all been sentenced to death. The wages of sin, and all have sinned, is death. That's the bad news. 
But here's the good news. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to bring, if you don't mind, the thief on the cross, as we affectionately refer uh, to him, into today's ABCs, because this is what he did. You know, the other criminal cursed Jesus. This one acknowledged, wait a minute, I, I, I deserve to be up here. I've broken the law. I've sinned. I deserve this death sentence. He doesn't. There was an acknowledging of Jesus as the Savior, and he believed in Him. The other one didn't. He did, and that's the B. Believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. This criminal on the cross, can you imagine being crucified next to the Savior of the world? and acknowledging it, and believing it, and being saved because of it. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. I find it very interesting that he said, when, when you enter your kingdom, will you remember me? Translated, will you save me too? And Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, today you'll be with me in paradise. Wow! That's the sea. He, he called upon the name of the Lord. Romans 10, 9 and 10 also says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And Romans 10, 13, and this is what He did. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. He called upon the Lord and said, will you save me too? And he was saved. We're going to see that guy in heaven. We might be able to ask him a couple of questions like, wow, what was that like, man? One more thing on this, because our water baptism is next week. This is one of those places where, and this is another <laughs> false teaching, baptismal regeneration, that you have to be baptized, water baptized to be saved. Well, I guess, I'm sorry. Jesus would have had to say, you know, I, I would love to, I would love nothing more than to have you be with me today in paradise. But if you, you got to figure out how to get off of this cross, go get water baptized, get back up here, and then we can go. I know, again, very uh, I know you, you have, you're so gracious to me in my weird sense of humor, but the point is there's nothing we have to do. He did it all for us instead of us. All we have to do is believe. That's it. It's actually simpler than ABC. It's as simple as B. Just believe in your heart and you'll be saved. For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe, fill out an application, go online, agree to the terms of service, get water baptized. That's the last time. 
whosoever would believe would not perish, but have everlasting life. Oh, please, I, I implore you today, if you've never believed in Jesus, put your trust in Jesus. Today is the day that you'll make the most important decision of your life for eternal life. There's nothing you have to do. I pray you will. I want to end with this But God testimony. Today's testimony comes from Elizabeth Mosley, who writes, just wanted to share my But God story with you. I started as a temp with a company in September 2021. They were working remotely and required anyone coming into the office to be vaccinated. I decided to work with them as long as I could. I did not know what God had in store for me. I was just trusting Him to work it out. Imagine that. What a novel idea. Trust God to work it out. Come March, they offered me a permanent position, but you still had to be vaccinated to come into the office. I started trying to help God out. I know you know nothing of this. I, I started trying to help God out by trying to find another job, but He worked it out. I am working in the office three days a week, no vaccination and no weekly testing, which they had initially said I would have had to do. Lesson learned, just trust God. I listen every week. Thanks. Looking forward to the rapture. So are we and meeting you, Elizabeth. Capono, come on up. Please stand. If you heard nothing <laughs> that I said, please hear this. Three words. Just trust God. Just trust God. Stop trying to help him out. He doesn't need, I know it's adorable when our kids want to help us out, right? Oh, Baba, can I help? Ah, it's going to take me five hours to do what I could have done in 15 minutes, but it's just so cute. Okay, fine. I, I, I think of it like that, you know, it's like, like God's, could you imagine if God needed our help? Listen, I, I needed to do this, but I need your help on this, okay? Wait, I thought you're God. I don't need you to help. In fact, if you try to help me, you might end up making it worse, and it will take longer. So why don't you just stay out of my way? Let me have my way. Let me do it my way, because my way, way more better than your way. <laughs> just trust God. Father in heaven, I thank you so much. Yes, it is getting very dark. It's even hard to imagine. I guess it's plausible, but it's still very hard to imagine it getting even darker than it is right now. But it certainly could. But Lord, we take comfort in and are encouraged by Your promise 
that right before you come, this is what it would be like. So Lord, it's like this. So we're lifting up our heads and we're looking up because we know our redemption draws nigh. Lord, come quickly, please, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. His word shall not fail you, he promised. Believe him and all will be well. Then go to a world that is dying, his perfect salvation to tell. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And the things. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Amen. God bless you, folks.